on that first Good Friday, the disciples had just another supper. They didn't know it was the last one. They had missed all the clues all the way along. They'd missed over three years of ministry with Jesus, side by side, hearing every word he spoke. And they missed what he was there to do. We're on the other side of the cross. We're here, but we still miss things. Because I think in the heart of every disciple is this proclivity to miss Jesus. The Last Supper became this symbol that we remember. And we come before God and we look at the cross. But you see, the disciples, they didn't see. Outsiders saw Simon of Cyrene, who was known to, to those who were reading Mark, picked up the cross. He was compelled to do this. But it changed his life. And Jesus, at the moment of his death, was naked, mocked, and reviled by all, including the two men hanging beside him who deserved what they were getting. Jesus, in that moment of his death, was even forsaken by God. But then we see a centurion's eyes opened. We see Isaiah's prophecy. And we go, how could they have missed it? We see the women, the women that were supporting Jesus at a distance, watching what was happening. And we see the disciples abandoning him one by one by one. Today we've had a glimpse into the mind of the high priest whose whole motive was based on fear and power. Missed the very God that he claimed to serve. And yet, in spite of that, managed to prophesy that Jesus was going to do something profound. Paul brings us into a new understanding of the cross. A plan revealed through the entirety of the ages, finally made now known to us in a way that we can understand. This free gift, our lives changed through the reality of the cross in the midst of affliction where we find flourishing. You see, we receive life through the death of Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us that God for whom and through everything was made chose to bring many children into glory and it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. 
That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could bear... Sorry? So that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself had gone through suffering and testing. He is able to help us when we are being tested. Jesus, the one who suffered, is now crowned with glory. And Jesus brings us into God's family so that we have returned and restored unity with our Creator and with one another as siblings before Him. Jesus, the one who was once shamed, is not ashamed of us. It was the death of a dream that day. The disciples had a clear vision of what they were hoping for. They wanted a restored Israel. And their dream died. But in its place, a new reality was birthed. Not just the restoration of Israel, but the restoration of all eternity with God. You see, their dream was too small. Jesus had a reality that was much bigger and much better. And so the question I think we're being prompted to ask today is about our own dreams. What do we need to put to death in our own lives? What are the things we strive for, seek, desire in our hearts that Jesus says, I've got a better plan, a bigger plan, a greater purpose. And I want to birth that in you. What needs to give life? What needs to be brought up? What needs to be planted and grown in your own heart as a result of this love that's been given to us through Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus came and was one of us. He became one of us. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I find it easier to think of Jesus as God and a little bit harder to think of him as a human being. But you see, the incarnation was a prerequisite for his identification with us. He had to suffer as we suffer so that he could be the sacrificial lamb on our behalf. He is Lord. But he's a crucified Lord. And this is the scandal that continues to plague our world. 
You see, it was fitting and it was in accordance with the love that Jesus had for us that he would enact this plan and take it all the way to this brutal death on a Roman cross. And Jesus calls us, his many sons and daughters, made new through this brutality, the author of our salvation. He became human to destroy the power of death that Satan held over us. But to do this, he had to become like us, to lead us into life, to have solidarity with humanity. You see, Jesus relates to us through the suffering, and he suffered for us and as one of us. Max Max Licato quotes, Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. The universe watched with wonder as the Almighty learned to walk. Children played in the street with him. And he had the synagogue and had the synagogue leader in Nazareth known who he was who was listening to his sermons. Jesus may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa. Could be that his knees were bony. One thing's for sure. He was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He was susceptible to wooing women. He got cold, burped, and had body odor. His feelings got hurt. His feet got tired. And his head ached. To think of Jesus in this light is, well, it seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It's not something that we like to do. It's uncomfortable. It is much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation, clean the manure from around the manger, wipe the sweat out of his eyes, pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. Jesus was holy God. He was a holy God, but he was fully man, broken and pierced on a Roman cross. And sometimes I forget that he did that just like me. And he did that just so I and you and everyone could be restored to him. So today I invite you to consider Jesus, all of him, his utter love for you and for me, how he became human like us so he could take our place. Today, I invite you to remember the person that hung on that cross, that experienced every wound, physical and emotional. Today, I invite you to embrace the one who walked to the darkest of places so that we could be brought into the light. Today, I invite you to focus your face and your eyes and your heart on the one who paid the ultimate price. Let's pray. Father, I Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for allowing yourself
to be placed on that cross, brutally punctured, whipped, beaten, crushed, so that we could have freedom. Spirit, I thank you that you unlock our hearts so that we can receive this life-giving truth. Today, Lord, as we remember your death, we pray that our hearts would be moved to your direction. For those things in our lives that need to die, we pray that they would be put to death. For those things in our lives that need new birth, rebirth, planting, we pray you would would nurture them, grow them, transform us into the person and people you want us to be. Lord, this is a somber day, but it is a day we also celebrate with deep reverence and gratitude. Jesus, thank you for dying so we could live. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, remember.